0: Hi, I'm Jessie Draper. I am first and foremost a mom, a boy mom to be exact, a boy mom who invests in female-founded companies. Yep, the jokes on me. I'm the founder of Halogen Ventures, a former entrepreneur and creator of an Emmy-nominated television series on technology. My mission is to support women and help raise awareness about the biggest issues facing society, women and families today, starting with solving childcare. From celebrity guests to founders and politicians, everyone came from a family somewhere. And I want to hear from you, the families of America, on how we can make change because I can't do this alone. Let's get started. We have monumental work to do. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Liz Hanna is the hottest writer in Hollywood and is probably writing and producing your favorite shows and movies right now. And you may not even know it. While Hannah is most well-known for writing movies The Post, starring Meryl Streep, and Longshot with Charlize Theron, she most recently executive-produced and wrote Hulu's limited series The Girl from Plainville. She's a Golden Globe and Critics' Choice Award nominee and a WGA Award winner. And in 2021, launched her own production company, Happy Friday Productions. Hannah is an old friend who may or may not have gotten her start writing my old TV show, The Valley Girl Show. She's also a new mom. Well, Liz, Hannah, I cannot believe you are here. It's like just lives are converging now. It's all coming
1: back around. It,
0: it really is. So I think we should talk about how we met. So how did we meet? We went through
1: Brittany, right? Brittany Conward. Yes, Brittany. Who's my manager yes. and producing partner and you went and to college with. And is the greatest with. of all time. She's the best. That's why I was late. I was on the phone with her so you can yell at her later. Okay, I will. Uh, <laughs> and she and you were doing The Valley Girl. Yes. And you were looking for a writer. And so I came on board. You came on board and you really like pepped up that show. <laughs> oh, like, I think that's you very really, kind. No, you really
0: like <laughs> (laughs) took it to another level but you know I was thinking about how you were coming on this show and I would like to say she did the valley girl show and then I remember we had coffee and you were like I said what are you working on and you're like oh this like thing I don't know it's like Called the Post or something, and then like the Post came out with Meryl Streep, and you were on the cover of Variety, and I was—you were way too casual about that. I mean, yeah. it is incredible how your career has. And then you wrote the Long Shot, and we'll get into all of that. And I—I I just think you're so talented. I'm well, so excited you. to have you here today.
1: We have to end the interview because this is very nice. <laughs> it has to be over now. But I was reminiscing,
0: and I like wanted to just chat about the Valley Girl f- show for a second. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you were just the greatest writer. You have the greatest sense of humor. And so I hope you keep writing comedy because, like, you, the long shot's so funny. And back then you would come up with these. You, you're just so
1: funny. What, what do you remember? Like, what episodes do you remember? I remember Vivek coming on. That oh, was a big so one because I'm a huge basketball fan. So, oh. like, that was a big one for me. But what was hilarious so is, like, Vivek we did that. Vivek So yeah. he's an owner of the, the Sacramento, Sacramento Kings. Kings. Yep. What was funny is like he didn't talk about basketball at all, <laughs> <laughs> so, which I guess like in retrospect made sense, but that was very cool. And he's
0: also partial owner of the Warriors, yeah. So that's why. Okay.
1: And I was, and then I was. I remember the private plane one. Oh my god, was like, that was my favorite episode. That was so ever. fun. That was wild. I for, so
0: we did, and it was like I don't. It's know, like a charter.
1: It was like charter seats. It was like it was like an app where you could. Like rent a seat on a charter plane.
0: I just ran into that CEO and they were like, oh, remember the, and I was like, that was my favorite. It was was so so much fun.
1: Yeah. And we used to do these
0: pranks or like not pranks, what should I call them? Like activities is what we called them, (laughs) but we would have these incredible CEOs on and then we'd have to come up with some activity. And I remember us being like, what could we do with a private plane? (laughs) And we were like a fire drill. Like oh, yeah, that's what
1: we did. We that's did, right. and
0: that's my favorite episode because yeah. we did, like, those fire drills. You do, you call it, like, a car fire drill, but where you, like, run out of the car in the middle yeah, of yeah, traffic. Yeah. And I still laugh thinking about the fact we did that on a plane.
1: Like, yeah, it was wild. <laughs> it was also, like, in a <laughs> hangar that had, like, we did it on the <laughs> runway, and then we went into the hangar, and it was, like, this weird hangar that had a private plane and also, like, 40 motorcycles. Yes. It was, like, a weird... <laughs>
0: Hey, like there? it was so there. strange.
1: I just remember walking around being like, "This is wild."
0: Oh, you were talking about. I did a couple. Play- was this Surfair? Fair? I can't. We remember. We did both. We I did.
1: We did the fire drill for the one on the on the tarmac, I think. Like that one where we were at the private airport, and then the other one was I think Surfair, Fair where we did like the one I think about when I think of
0: you was I remember like we got Will I Am. We didn't oh, know yeah. if we were going to get oh, Will. I am. Yeah. We got the entrance to go get Will. I am. We brought like a 14 person crew and they were sort of like, Who are you guys? Yeah. And then we came in, we did the interview. And if anyone knows Will, he's a lovely person. He's like very, he's a little, he, he is his own being. And he, <laughs> I just felt like I totally botched the entire interview. And I remember we. Left. And you had written some great jokes that just didn't fly with Will because he's just a character. Yeah. yeah. And, like, he
1: – and he was in his, like, white – like, uh-huh. all-white all building. Uh-huh. And it was,
0: like, looked like a spaceship. All-white
1: building, all-white exterior and interior. Yeah. Like, everything was white. Totally. Yeah.
0: And, mm-hmm. he, and he had that, like, long kind of coat thing, mm-hmm. like, that was all-white, too. Mm-hmm. And he – was so nice and I remember that something weird there was something weird about the bathrooms like there I can't remember it was, it was they like, had
1: the toto toilets
0: oh yeah the toto we were just, and like nobody
1: yeah. could understand how to use them and yes that, it was I mean it was bringing a bunch of crew who was very young into like the nicest studio in the history of man <laughs> and like everybody just being like at, it's too nice for us to touch it but also like we weren't supposed to interview him that day we were supposed to interview somebody else and then suddenly he was like no come interview me and so it was like oh okay yeah, yeah. I yeah, and we that. just yeah.
0: went, and I remember we are walking away from the interview, and I looked at you, and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> and you go, it happened. <laughs> well, it happened, <laughs> like, a.k.a. it's over. Yeah, uh, But we got it in the bag, but it was, like,
1: sort of torturous because we just. It's funny. <laughs> none I, of the jokes I, It's blew. I, I don't remember saying that, but what's funny is that somebody said that to me. Like, when I was doing the post-press tour, we went to this. We were invited that day to this, like, the, like the Hearst luncheon. And it's, so it's like the most important women in, in f- I think, like journalism and media. And we had literally been invited that morning to go because of The Post. And it was like me and Amy Pascal and Christy McCosco-Krieger. And we were in New York. And so we're like doing the press junk in the morning. And we come down there. And we're sitting at this tape Like we're sitting at the center table. And then we're, the lunch is about to start. Like we're all sitting down. Amy turns to me and she's like, okay, so you'll give the speech first. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> What do you mean I'll give the speech first? And she's like, you're giving a speech for all of us. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, 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 it's cool. And literally, like, the head of the luncheon turns to me, and she's like, so I'm going to introduce you after I introduce the two women who had just broken the Harvey Weinstein case and were, <laughs> like, you know, heroes and icons among everyone and give this incredibly well-prepared, thoughtful speech that I was, like, emotionally moved. And then the microphone... And by the way, I'm completely underdressed because I also hadn't prepared for this. And I get to the end of the microphone, and I say something... And I sit back down to the person I was sitting next to who I didn't know who I'd like just met, she goes, Don't unpack it. It just happened. Let it go. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I appreciate that. Thanks. Well, I appreciate you doing that for me yeah. after the Will <laughs> I
0: Am interview. He's gonna listen to this. Actually, I don't know. Does he have kids? I don't know. Maybe he will. Know. Maybe he won't. Maybe I'll just send it to him. No, I'm kidding. I definitely will not. I will not. So, okay, let's start with our mom win of the week. Okay. So I'm trying to think like, for me, my son has school off today. And so that's always a thing because it's like, what do I do with my kid? And I found this place where you can do these tennis camps and they're so smart because they like get to know all the schools in the area. And then they find out when the schools don't have school. And then they offer up these little like tennis camps. And for some reason, my seven-year-old doesn't like to go. So he woke me up at 5am to tell me I'm not going to the tennis camp thing. And I'm like, great. So then I had you know, from five AM to six AM I had to like negotiate basically. And I said if he stays till three thirty, he gets a pack of Pokemon cards and like that's where we netted out. So let's pray he's going today. That feels like a huge win. It feels like a win as long as he stays till three thirty. I'll let you know. But like I got like fifteen minutes more of sleep. So, you know, we did the deal and the deal was done. So, you you know. Okay, so what was your mom win of the week?
1: So mine like I, I, can I include this past weekend in my, there are no rules. Okay, great. I love this. It can be about you or your kids. Oh, this, well, I mean, so my, my five-year wedding anniversary was this past weekend and we went up. Thanks. And we went up to Los Olivos, which is where we got engaged and we love going up there and we haven't gone up there a lot because, you know, there was a pandemic and then we had a kid and we didn't live here for a year and it was like chaos. So we went up with our eight month old and I was like fully prepared I was just like, we're going to go to this winery and he's going to have a meltdown. So like, we're going to just be, it'll be okay. We're (laughs) going to like accept that this is, I had done like this whole thing where I was like, I'm not an incredibly patient person. So I was like, I'm going to just accept that this is not going to go the way I want it. That we're gonna have to probably like just throw cash on tables and leave and he was like the most well-behaved child for four days he was incredible he'd like hung out he just sat in the grass and like rolled around because he doesn't really crawl he like army crawls so he like <laughs> sort of would just lay there and watch people he people watched he get cranky and we fed him and then he was like I'm cool great it was like incredible so my win was that my child behaved really well so I could drink wine and lose sleep that's
0: an amazing win it's It'd like he
1: knew it was your anniversary it was truly and I was like this will never happened again. So I'm going to do it. Also, we went to dinner one night and there was like a table of like four or five people that had three kids and the three kids were really well behaved, but they were super loud, which is like, as a mom, you, I've never realized this before, but you just like your senses dull and you just, you don't like notice anymore. The screeching, happy screeching. You just sort of don't notice the crying physically hurts you. But so, but my son was like, just so fascinated. So he was like silent the entire dinner, just watching them. And I was like, I won this you're one. You're like more wine. Yeah, I was like great. this one. I won. I'm walking home, so this is great. That's yeah, huge. Yeah, it's great. So it'll never happen again. So I have to really appreciate it. For oh for what yeah, it
0: I mean when there's those days. I mean that's when it goes well. I feel like there's those days sometimes where you bring all the kids. You're like okay, I'm gonna go to dinner with the kids, uh-huh. and it's gonna be great. And then it's like. Even your, like, oldest child has a meltdown. You're oh, yeah. Like, what no. happened? Yeah. Like, you can sit there and eat with a fork. Like, yeah. why are
1: you the one? Yeah, well, and then, like, <laughs> we were at my house a couple of days ago, and a friend of mine came over, and he was, like, totally in a bad mood the whole night and, like, super squirmy and bitchy. And I was like, bro, you were so great, like, in a foreign place <laughs> with strangers for four days. This is, like, one of your best friends, and you're being a total prick. Like, don't <laughs> let's, let's chill. So, you know, I think
0: that's a killer mom win. So I want to talk a little about like parent news of the day. So this formula shortage, it's like still going on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what do you think about the formula shortage? Did you formula feed if you feel comfortable sharing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, why is it important?
1: Yeah, I formula fed exclusively. I never breastfed. It was never something that like I like personally emotionally mentally physically felt like I needed to I also didn't have a maternity leave I was working the entire time after I had the baby so that was just like an added thing that I didn't need to have of like I needed him to be connected to me and so we formula fed and it hit us so my son's almost nine months old it hit us like almost immediately and he also had colic so we were on like the most rare (laughs) formula possible so I mean, bless, like, our friends and family and, like, my WhatsApp mom group where people would just text me when they were in, like you know, Chatsworth and they were like, I met a CVS in Chatsworth and they have two cans of this. Do you want me to send it to you? Or like random people on Instagram would DM me and be like, Hey, I found this. Do you want me to send it to you in Austin? And so like, that was incredible. And it was really like the first time I experienced a network of parents. Cause it wasn't just mom. It was, it was men as well. They're called dads. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot that one. And um, so like, that was, that was amazing in the midst of like a terrible experience, But yeah, I mean, I think it's horrible. It's also like a lot of stores were jacking the price up of formula, which is like on top of a shortage. You're making it even more expensive. I had made a personal choice to go to formula, but also like that meant that now I couldn't breastfeed. Like my son had to have formula, but there are a lot of families who had to do formula for various reasons. And like, so you're penalizing them by making it more expensive. So I think that was really scary. And yeah, it's not uh, my favorite thing when people would be like, you can just do the European kind. And you're like, who has money to do that? First of all.
0: Okay. So I I formula fed all three kids because I could only breastfeed like a tiny amount. I actually like couldn't breastfeed. I tried. And then people just, I wrote this article called like the big boob mafia of breastfeeding because Uh, like, like, it's real. They literally like, I mean, you just feel so forced to breastfeed and it's like, I couldn't. I mean, it was devastating to me. But everyone brought up the freaking European formula. It's all they talk about. And you have to ship it in. Yes. And I'm like, who are these people? Also, first of all, lacking formula is a problem. So like if we were dealing with like manufacturing delays just in general, and then it's like everyone's saying, oh, use HIP or all these weird German formulas. I'm like, I'm definitely not taking a risk on an international formula. Right. Um, that you also that have to may ship not in, show up, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: like I don't know, it was just so chaotic at the time, and like it was really. I mean, and it is still, it's gotten better, but there still is the the formula that we use, which is called neutrimogen, which was like. Yes, the, I'm very familiar. Yep, it was. You know, it's. I also, like, I'm allergic to dairy, so there was, a real concern that my son was, which is, like, he's not, he just had colic, which... I actually totally feel your pain with
0: Nutramigen. I'm like, if you went on Nutramigen, that means you've tried, like, you tried, like, four or five of them. Yeah,
1: you tried. um, Because it's, like, the, it's, like, the pre-digested... Yeah, they've, like, removed all of the things, and, like, it's, it smells so bad. That was, like, my first kid,
0: he was on Nutramigen, and he still puked for, it wasn't, Burping, like yeah. people are always like, oh, "Oh, no, that's normal." I'm like, "Oh no, we had to like de- delegate a chair to yeah. puking yeah. because he literally just couldn't keep anything down." My husband, for a asked, year.
1: yeah, my oh, that's to- that's it was so bad. My husband asked me at one point, he was like, "Is it okay if I wear this shirt that has spit up on it for a little while?" And I was like, "I'm in a sweater that I've been in for four days, <laughs> like." This is, I've moved past laundry. Just
0: because I don't want to do Cause the laundry. Because, like, like I, it's, like, it? it's going to happen again. Yeah. Like, what am
1: I doing? I Like, literally, if I move, he wakes up and cries. So <laughs> I'll just sit here in my spit-up <laughs> sweater. And But, like, he's not crying. So it's fine. Yeah, I'm so, uh, for a year. That's terrible. Ours was, like, he basically started crying from, like, four weeks until he was four months old. Oh, and he cried I'm for, like, so 18 sorry. hours a day. It was really brutal. It's really brutal.
0: And your yeah. brain starts to just kind oh, of you deteriorate. You're, yeah. like... All I hear is crying, baby, and I'm not sleeping.
1: And the thing that nobody ever told me, and it was funny, I didn't. One of my best friends has two kids, and at the time, our kids were, like, three and 18 months. And we were in New York, which was a disaster trip because my son just didn't sleep for six days. It was great. And we were, like, driving home. We'd gone to the Met, and she was, like, driving us back to the hotel, and my kid was just shrieking in the car, And I was like, put Hamilton on, which we'll get to later. And then she was... Hamilton,
0: the musical. The
1: musical is really important in my life. And then... um I was like, I just, it hurts. And she was like, oh yeah, no, it's a physical pain at oh, a certain really. point. And I, nobody had validated that for me. And I actually don't even know that I'd like put it into words because my husband was having, you know, obviously it was a visceral response and and he didn't want to hear him crying. But like it, what, it's like as a mom, it was literally physically painful to hear him screaming. And I like would shut down and become catatonic at a certain point. Oh, totally. It was horrible.
0: And you get like, as a new mom, for sure that happens. And like, I, I think it's like, it gets dulled a little as they get older, but yeah. there are still days I find when I'm a little emotional, oh yeah, or like hormonal somehow. Like if a baby's crying, like yep. regularly next to me, like I do start to feel that pain again. Or you just like have those weird aches, and I'm just like, oh my god, I can't do this right now. Like I
1: have. It's- I was on a flight back from Austin by myself a couple of weeks ago, and there was a family with a baby on the plane. I think the baby must have been like four or five months or something. I mean, I don't know. My child's enormous. So I have like no, I have absolutely no concept of what like normal children <laughs> sizes are. And I, but like a baby and I heard the baby crying and I was like, in my past life, I would have just been like, ugh, shut the baby up. Like, you know, walk it around or something. And this, I was like, I'm about four seconds away from going and being like, give me the kid. I'll walk him around for a little while. It's like, it's okay. You sit there and like, enjoy the silence for a minute. Cause like. It's real. Oh, It's yeah. so real. That's funny. On planes, I have a joke with myself that when
0: I travel alone, I think, oh, I'm going to have such a nice plane ride, and then I always sit next to the kid with, like, the baby or the yeah. two-year-old, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'll hold them while you go to the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> like, okay. And I just have this joke with myself, like, what kid am I sitting next to? Yeah.
1: I feel yeah. like babies are easier than the two- or three-year-old, because the babies are sort of just, like, potatoes. They just sit. Yeah. yeah
0: it's yeah it's true the two or three year old you're like playing with and they're like poking you and you know I'm
1: glad that like the universe lets you ramp up to that because I'm so not there oh you're gonna love it it's (laughs) gonna be great you I'm anyway congratulations oh thanks it's
0: so I mean yeah it's a it's fun kids are so they're the most beautiful thing but we just complained about them for 15 minutes but we can
1: complain about them and they can still be a beautiful he's gonna thing. go to therapy it'll be fine we'll work, we'll work on it
0: so i want to hear you're in that moment where you're like transitioning to childcare. Mm-hmm. so what is your childcare? what are you thinking about in this moment and like what does that look like for
1: you today because you're two working parents sure So we had a lot of conversations about it. So we have a nanny who's full-time. She works Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. So we get up with him at, like, 6.37, which is just, like, rude. But, you know, that's what we do, I guess, for our children is get up early. And and then she comes, and then we work. And then she, like, takes him to classes and the park and all that. And I'm still primarily working from home. So... It's definitely more of a like I'm if I'm in between meetings or I'm taking a break from writing like I'll participate or if I can I'll schedule going to the classes with them and stuff like that. It was definitely like a a hard transition for me only because of guilt. Like, it wasn't... I, I, Our nanny's name is Shirley, and she's, like, literally a godsend, and I'm obsessed with her. And I, my son loves her, and we love her, and she's a blessing, and I never want her to leave. I may have another child, just so she doesn't leave me. But she, like... That That wasn't... It, it was more the guilt of, like, I was sitting in my office writing, and I could hear my kid crying, or could hear my kid laughing, or any of that. And having to understand that it was good for him to have somebody pay attention to him full 100% and not have their brain elsewhere, which is where my brain had been. And she didn't start with us until he was like seven months old, six and a half, seven months old. And so we had been working full time and, and we had no childcare. We had a night nurse for the, in the beginning who came back to sleep, train him, bless you. And then, but then for like three months it was just us. And that was really hard And also, like, made me realize, like, I'm a better parent, and I'm very privileged to be able to have the opportunity to be the parent that has a caretaker for my son during the day so that I can be there for him when I'm not distracted by work or when I'm not distracted by whatever things that I'm doing as a full-time job. I mean, I think mom guilt is
0: real. Oh, Yeah. You always, feel it, you always feel it a little. Like, I feel it now. You know, I'm not with my kids, and I know they don't have school today, and they're being tortured and sent to tennis camp. Can <laughs> How you dare imagine? You? How like, dare it's you? It's so ridiculous Like that he's, like, complaining about going to tennis camp. I'm like, I would have killed to go to tennis I camp. Know. Are you kidding me? But, yeah, I feel mom guilt is real, but you do I, – I sort of say you have to, like, close the – when I close the door and yeah. I leave my house – I just like have to turn it off, yeah. you know, and I have to be like, this is me time. And, but it's hard getting out the door. Oh
1: yeah. That's the heart. That's like the painful part for me. But I also think I like, and I, I think for me, something that was really, it personally for me was really not losing my identity as mm-hmm. it, it, as a, as my, in my job and like who I am. I didn't want my identity to become just that I was a mother. Like mm-hmm. I wanted that to be an additive aspect of who I am, but I didn't want to become that person who like lost who I was because of that and this was our Danny was a huge aspect of that and like the again I'm incredibly privileged to have that and have and have her be a part of my son's life but like I'm a better mother now than I was four months ago because I can leave and come back and I'm not like you know constantly faced with who am I you know what am I doing on the floor with dog hair all around me that my son is trying to eat. It's great.
0: (laughs) That dog hair. It's it's delicious. It's so real. (laughs) So how does that differ? Like, how did you grow up? What did the childcare look like? I remember your dad was a professor, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so tell, what did that look like? And was there anything you sort of took
1: that you said, I want to do it this way or I want to do it differently? So I had a a full-time nanny until I was like three because both my parents were working full-time. And then we moved and my mom became a stay-at-home mom and I think it was you know like for me it was a great childhood I was super close to my mom I grew up in a small town you know it was and then when my parents divorced like I grew up in New York City so it was I had a lot of freedom and independence and I think that was very it was instilled in me at a very young age of like taking the subway and being you know my dad would be like here's twenty dollars go like to Tower Records or virgin, virgin records, Records. RIP. That was so
0: fun. Our kids are never going to have.
1: No, no. And like, I literally like we used to live in Grange village and I'd walk to Union Square and like have to navigate and things like that. My mother now is having a nervous breakdown because she was like, you did that. Yeah. So it was a father daughter thing. But I think for me, like I, I, the things that I took from that, that I really wanted was enjoying my child. Mm -hmm. Like not, I never felt like my parents resented me. Um, And, or regretted me, you know, like I never felt like because of me, my parents did or did not do things. And my parents always just, like, brought me along. Like, I just always came. I was always, like, the third party. And so that was really important to me when my husband and I were talking about having kids, was we were like, we want a buddy. Like, we're going to bring our buddy around, and, like, that's what we're going to do. And so that, I mean, you know, he is learning what his hands are, so we'll I'll report back when, you know, he actually participates in these activities. But, <laughs> you know, like, even our weekend we had last weekend, it was really great that we were like, oh, we can do this, and, like, we can... Not, and, and I ha- was really concerned. I was like, am I going to have a different experience now and, reg- and miss the experiences I used to have and, like, mourn that part? But this was so fun. I was like, this is so fun. I'm with my husband. I'm with my kid. We're drinking wine. It's beautiful outside. Like, okay. it was great.
0: Yeah, I think bringing your kids along is good. And they pick up these things that you're like – whoa, I didn't even think about that. Or they're yeah. like, I've never seen a ceiling like this, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think it's really good. You learn a lot. My dad used to take me places with him because my mom'd be like, I have four kids at home, yeah. take one. <laughs> so I feel like that's a really great way to teach. And we've talked to some other moms who who are like, I have one kid and I bring them everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. And so my kid's just part of everything, my work, my everything. Yeah. And I, lo- I love that. I think the kids learn so much. And then what, so what is... Okay, so we t- we talked a little bit about, like, your personal child care. I want to, like, move into your professional life because sure. you've been busy since I last saw you, <laughs> and you've just, like, been writing your little heart away, and yeah. I'm so impressed with how you oh, get thanks. into these characters. So, you know, you've written The Post, which was nominated for a bajillion awards, in- including, like, two Academy Awards, I uh-huh. think, and you wrote... The long shot, which I keep bringing up just because it's my favorite movie in the entire world. And if anyone needs like a hilarious rom-com that you can watch with your significant other, you have to watch it because my husband and I laugh every time and we watch it almost every weekend when we need to like a pick me up. And that I feel like is just like your humor through yeah. and through. Like yeah. I, I didn't realize you'd written that. And then when I saw your name, I was like, oh my God. And I thought about it. I was like, she has this great humor. Like that was so much you. And then you wrote the girl from Plainville, which I told you I watched the other day and that, I mean, you have such a range. Mm. And I think what I want to talk about is, like, how do you get into these characters' heads? So the girl from Plainville, well, tell us, you tell us what it's about. But it's sure. it's a terrible story.
1: Yeah. So it's based on the true story of Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy the Third. It's colloquial colloquially called the texting suicide case, which was Michelle Carter was convicted of involuntary manslaughter for texting her boyfriend, Conrad Roy, to commit suicide. And he eventually died by suicide in part because of their texting conversations and relationship. So that is sort of the premise of the, or, or that's the true story of what it's based on. And then the show, you know, I, I've done a lot of true stories. I had just done the dropout right after, right before I'd done Plainville and I was kind of burned out. And, and it, it, <laughs> I say this like not dismissively, it's like the saddest story. Like truly it's the saddest, saddest story. And I, I did not want to dive into that. And then Elle Fanning was attached to do it, who I'd worked with before. And I love Elle and I'm always just so excited to work with her. And I watched the documentary by Aaron Lee Carr, which is called "I Love You Now Die. It's a two-part documentary that's on HBO, which is really fantastic. And I read the article that the show's based on, which is called The Girl from Plainville by Jesse Barron for Esquire. And I very quickly realized in reading the article and, and watching the show, watching the documentary, that there was so much more to this than the sadness on the surface level of the case. And that actually... The sadness on the surface level of the case was like a very simple amount of sympathy that I could have for this and like a very distant, almost, I don't know, like a distance that I was putting between myself and something that I felt like if I dug slightly deeper would not only affect me in, in a much in a much more profound way but like that I thought would would have questions about things that I had questions about in, in my own life and things I'd, I'd experienced and things about the case and things about Michelle and, and Coco and their families that didn't have the time to be explored in either an article or, or the documentary. And so then, so my partner Patrick McManus and I, we... Dove into it and did the show and it was really like it was I don't mean to continue using this word to dilute it but it was really one of the most profound experiences of my life and and definitely of my career and it was I mean we talk a lot about being funny like it was really it's a it's a hard show to do and I think it's a hard show to watch but we really tried to infuse it with a lot of humanity and a lot of empathy for everybody and not vilify anybody or or indict anyone but to just present it how it happened. Yeah, I
0: think you did such a good job of that. Like you you felt even for the girl mm-hmm. who did this and you're you looked at it from such a great perspective of like she was a teenage girl mm-hmm. and she was you know, it is this, like, love story, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it's really impressive how you get in their heads like that. I, yeah. I'm blown away. So you were saying with that, you really dug in. And is this how you typically would start? You'd do a whole bunch of research, and then you kind of, like, find the characters that you can, like, get into? Or what does that yeah. look like typically?
1: Yeah, I mean, in this this one in particular, it was really difficult for me to, to dig in. I, I really, really found myself... Connected to Lynn Roy, who is is Coco's mother, who's played by Chloe 70 in the show. And in the documentary, I just I, she's like just a, she's a little firecracker. Like she's just she's really funny, and she's very honest, like too brutally. And she's also dealing with the most horrific thing that I couldn't even imagine. And she has like a a very wry sense of looking at the world. And there's something she said in the documentary that really always stuck out to me, which was about Michelle. And it was, uh, I don't know, I'll do don't i butcher it, but it was, it was sort of that she like recognized that there was something that Michelle was sick too, that there, there was sort of a moment of empathy in that, in that, that I thought was really interesting. So I really connected with Lynn and I found like a way in and probably honestly through mm-hmm. her humor. Like I, I found like there's like a real humanity in that. Michelle was almost impossible, like for, for a really long time for me to find a way into. I, she's very opaque she's also a chameleon so it's like who is who is real and even with L playing her at I found it like I kept trying to sort of put L I was like this you're this way and then you're this way and it never really worked and it was finally sort of embracing the chaos of her and being like she is a chameleon we don't know who she is and the end of the pilot was sort of the first thing that I realized which is the end of the pilot is um Michelle singing a, a song and if you haven't seen it I won't say anything else but it sort of like a it opened up the whole show for me in particular of like oh I kind of know who this girl is now I think and but yeah I mean it that was like a lot of research it was a lot of talking we had a writers room so it was like a lot of talking about the characters and we'd written the pilot but like really didn't know kind of how to get to where we were going and we had a Zoom room during the pandemic and you know talking about mental health and how lonely everybody is was great while we're all sitting alone by ourselves in an office staring at a computer
0: by the way i'm so happy to see you in person i know I feel like i really have missed in person and recently i've been yeah. prioritizing like in-person meetings yeah it's like i'm so happy to be back it's
1: really exciting yeah it's quite nice and there's energizing. so many people yeah and there's just like so many people i've never met in real life like totally for the plainville room we didn't meet each other in real life like the majority of us have never met each other in real life until and you're May writing together yeah Oh my God. We literally had a party and it was like all of us meeting for the first time and we were leaving to go make the show and so Patrick and I had a party for all the writers and I think it was like of the eight writers I only knew three of them in real life. Like I'd only met them in real life. So it was pretty wild. And But yeah, I think like, you know, for me, it, in terms of getting into character, it really depends. It's like, you know, some people some people are easier for me than others. Are like I can just feel like I'm very connected to them, and then yeah. it, I feel like very infused by that, and narcissistically then just write them like me. So that one's easy, but others, you know, it's, it, I find it really hard to dig into and and kind of have to wait for that moment. And I I tend I tend to become attracted to those characters because then that means that there's like something interesting to yeah, it's like to, a challenge. Yeah, exactly. If it's easy, then it's boring. And I'd
0: imagine, I mean, it sounds like you just have to have a great amount of empathy for these, for every character, good, bad, ugly, all of it. Yeah, That's, I mean, I was just blown away by your range, like your humor is so great. And then this was such a serious character. What are you working on right now?
1: We're over here right now. I have a movie that's shooting right now, Ooh. which is really exciting. It's called Lee. It's about Lee Miller, who was a World War II photojournalist. Cool. She was also a model. She was also like a muse for the surrealists. She was incredible. So Kate Winslet is playing her and producing the film, which is a dream, um, literal icon. And Ellen Curis is directing, who has directed a ton of television. She directed a documentary. This is her first narrative feature so that's super exciting she was the cinematographer for Eternal Sunshine and I mean she's iconic so it's a power team of women which I'm really excited about so cool so that's shooting right now and then there's a couple other things I'm working on but I'm kind of waiting to see what happens next awesome I hope there's some comedy in there I mean, I would love to. I would. You're love so to. You're so funny, Liz. Thanks. You're so funny. I try. And I have to t- remind people of that because I made the saddest television show in the history of mankind. So <laughs> I, have to, I had to throw a mu- some musical numbers in there so that they <laughs> remember. <from my birth. laughs> I'll, I'll send. I'll send
0: them this clip so yeah. that they remember. And exactly. And you can just remember over and over that you exactly. are so funny. Appreciate I mean, I just like you're so funny and yeah you so you work with Elle Fanning a lot actually mm-hmm. right yeah and I know Brittany manages her mm-hmm. also I bumped into Dakota Fanning like side note at a wedding recently oh nice and I tried to set her up with my cousin Nat Wolf, who is this sort of like oh, yeah. heartthrob actor right now and Dakota thinks I'm a psycho so I just thought <laughs> I would just that's I just share that she I was like no, no you have to date Nat and then I was like he just broke up with his girlfriend she's like okay stop following me around this wedding and I'm like okay cool I'll just give you his phone number she's like leave me alone but anyway you can tell her I'm only sometimes crazy that would be helpful so what do you have a mom hack right now like what's Mm. your mom hack with a nine month old how do you survive what's your thing that you do every day that maybe it seems minuscule but it's like
1: very key Hmm. I mean like bubbles are really big in my life right now
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, bubbles are forever big high. in children's. They're,
1: they're real big in my life right now. So there's that. What is what is my hack? I mean, honestly, I, I think, think it's that's that. a hack. Yeah, that's that's it. Bubbles I mean, I are I continue to buy him more and more toys just because I'm like, yeah. hopefully this one will distract you for ten minutes and that's great. Yeah, bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> I also, like, when, when we went away, there are like, those rice crackers that are, like, the teether things. Yeah. Those are what a gift to the universe. Oh, totally. He's obsessed with them, and they melt in his mouth, so I'm not, like, worried about him choking on them. And he distracts him. It's, like, a solid ten minutes of distraction. Key the so, key yeah. so the crackers and the bubbles I mean bubbles I and bubbles teeters, are a yeah.
0: real hack and like have you gotten a bubble machine oh it's coming for Christmas yeah
1: that's a Christmas. good oh, by the that's way that's a
0: good Christmas but like he
1: doesn't know what presents are he doesn't know what totally. hands are so like I'm the bubble machine's all you need I'm wrapping all of the stuffed animals like all 900 that he got when he was born I'm just gonna wrap those and let him wrap, unwrap them and that'll be his gift oh perfect I used to
0: like Everyone would give them. You know, I'd have a little birthday party pre-COVID. Yeah. Now I'm like terrified to have birthday parties sure. with multiple people. But um, I'm not that terrified. I'm getting. I'm coming out in the open, guys. But like, I just am not going to have a hundred kids in my house anymore. By
1: just, the way, like without COVID, a hundred <laughs> kids in your house, you're all getting sick. It's like terrifying. it's like COVID, COVID. aside, like everyone is getting hand, foot, and mouth disease. Oh, a hundred percent. That's exactly happening. 100%. Yeah, a hundred percent. They, but you
0: know, you'd get this little collection of gifts yeah. from everybody, and then I would just hide them. Oh, and then yeah. I would just we'd open them when I needed a bribe or like when I needed like, AKA like kid currency of some sort. Like today, sort. Pokemon cards. Yeah, yeah. Today, the Pokemon cards. Yeah. Exactly. Like something like that. Or, or then I would save them for Christmas, but like, then you just have this little
1: stash. Oh yeah. I, we got like for Halloween at Gymboree and my gym, we got like little trick or treat bags, which bless them for not putting candy in. Cause I was like, he doesn't have teeth. I don't know what is like not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, now he has teeth at the time. But they all had little bubbles in them. So I literally have, like, bubble stashes. It's, like, in my diaper bag, in my purse. It's everywhere. <laughs> what should we do? Bubbles.
0: Bubbles. They, that They're is great. a hack. It's great, man. God, that's a good one. I
1: also accidentally ordered the, like, two-gallon thing of bubbles. You so I. it's real.
0: You need that. Well, Liz, I mean, you are doing so much great stuff. I am so impressed with everything you're doing. And I can't wait to watch your career grow and grow. I mean, you're already just, like, a complete badass and, like, really I mean I think you're the hottest writer I don't even know how I got you here <laughs> like I can't believe you said yes to doing the show oh, please no seriously please. Please. I am so grateful to have you and Thank it's you. so fun to like see how the world just like came full circle and so you know this always makes me sad because it's our goodbye story oh, that we have to talk about now okay. so you mentioned Oliver isn't reading yet which is like very surprising and I just just think I should mention that nine months old should obviously be (laughs) read, but you said that you've been listening to Hamilton and U2 a lot. So that's like the phase you're in. Yeah, But you did say Ollie by Oliver Dunria is... Who's the he's cr- the creator of best-selling Gossie and Friends series of books, of which Oliver is one of Ollie is one of yeah. these. So Ollie is the sweet, silly tale of a willful unhatched gooseling who refuses to leave his egg. And I was actually really excited because I'd never heard of this book. I hadn't either. So, <laughs> <laughs> but so why why was that important Just to you?
1: Literally, because my son's name is Oliver. Yeah, I mean, and, it actually yeah. looks like a really good series of it, books. It's well. So I bought at Halloween like, you know, cause I live on Amazon. I found, there was like a book called like Oliver's Halloween and I was like dope, amazing. <laughs> so bought that immediately chewed on it and had no interest in reading it. And I was like, that's fine. And then I was checking out of Amazon, you know, two hours later and it was like recommended Ollie. And I was like, what? And so I found it and I'm super excited. Cause that's his name. And I'm hoping that that will enti- his, you know, his genetic, narcissism will be enticed to listen to books. <laughs> There's no narcissism so, in your you know, family just, at all. Just, I mean, he really likes looking at himself at the camera <laughs> in the mirror, so we'll see. But like, I'm hoping if we just keep saying his name, he'll be like, oh. But you know, he's really, we don't do reading time because he genuinely could not have less interest in it. So we sing to him at night. So for the first four months of his life, all he really wanted to listen to was Helpless, sung by Philippa Sue. In Hamilton. It's so good. It's I Honestly, great. if I was going to pick a song to listen to all the time, it would be that. What's shocking is how I've blocked out the words now. Like the other day it randomly <laughs> came up and I can do the chorus. I have no concept of the rest of the words. And my husband was like, what's wrong with you? You sang this for four months. And I was like, it's a physical reaction. I've had to release it from my brain because <laughs> I had to sing it for four months. But yeah, he's moved on now, which is exciting. And we've, we've gone to like some David Bowie, The Beatles, very exciting. You too. To, you too. Very into you too. He likes a he likes like an alto. It's a good <laughs> a good range for him. Tiptoeing into Taylor Swift. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. He has opinions. He does. He oh does he? I mean, it's like a dance party for. 20 minutes when he wants to go down, which my night nurse had been like, don't do a bedtime routine. You'll never be able to stop it. <laughs> and I was like, I want to spend time with my child. And now I'm like, I literally have to sing four songs before this kid goes down <laughs> every night. So that's, I do not have a voice to sing either. So it's really, awesome. it's an adventure.
0: I find though that your voice gets better the more you sing to your kid because it's like you're practicing
1: every night, basically. Mm. It's Mine like rehearsal. Not. It does <laughs> Just, I'm fine I'm comfortable with it it does not
0: or I tell myself that where I'm yeah like, hmm, twinkle twinkle little star sounded a little better this
1: time <laughs> I got the range down yeah <laughs> but
0: I really need to expand the nighttime songs but they all think twink they hear twinkle twinkle little star and they just pass out like Ugh, that's just it's like that's it's, the best yeah it's yeah like that's a, the one yeah uh, we dance to the rest of the songs my kids love Taylor Swift and Katy Perry and you know, all, Oliver
1: has the sound machine and he hears it come on and he just starts immediately crying because he has massive FOMO. Oh. And so he knows it's like, it's time for him to go down. Oh my and so gosh. literally you turn the sound machine in and he's like, ah, <laughs> he just has like a meltdown. <laughs> so then you have to sing to him so he doesn't melt down. I mean, music is such an important
0: part of their lives. Like at this age, that's so great that you have your, you have him listening. It's constant. It's so good. I mean, I found that during COVID when the baby was just crazy I would listen to the Moana soundtrack nice. and the Moana soundtrack has this sort of like Hawaiian opener song. And that's what we listen to when I need to calm down my kitchen. Oh, that's fun.
1: When I was pregnant, we were making Plainville and I found out I was pregnant the day we got there to start prepping the show. And then I was seven and a half months pregnant by the time we left. And in the midst of his colic after he'd been born I was like searching for songs and he was into Hamilton so I was like let's just do the musical train like let's go on it I'm down and then I like Dear Evan Hansen came up and I know um, I went to high school with Justin Paul who's part of passing ball who created the show and I was like oh this will be funny if he likes it and then I saw that like, Colton Ryan who's in Plainville had sung one of the songs and I was like oh yeah let's do this my son stopped crying instantly like he recognized Colton's voice and stopped crying and was like what And then Colton came to visit a couple of months after that and sang to Oliver. And Oliver was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) And would like look at me and look at him. Because he was like, I think in his head he was like, you sound like shit that's the real thing like that that's what I've been looking for and then I was like will this work with Elle because Elle did this movie Teen Spirit where she plays a, a musician and so I played a song that Elle sang and he did the same thing so I think he recognizes their voices because oh my gosh. they were he they were around me for 14 hours a day for seven months while I was pregnant that's amazing. it was wild yeah so now like he those there are like some go-to songs that they sing that he will, he will calm down to, which is a good one. It, oh it also helped, it helped me during the helpless era because I was like, got to branch out. can't, can't the, It, do it this. is such a good song, though. It's an incredible song. If that was the one he chose, I'm not mad. Yeah. Act one. It's also
0: very complex, which shows he's very intelligent.
1: Okay. Sure. <laughs> I'll take it. I, I like, We moved into <gasps> act one of Hamilton, which was great for me. I was like, this is good. He started to become interested in act two, and I was like, this is the saddest act of a musical yes. ever written. Like, can't do it. And, like, they lose their child. I was like, no, no. No, no. So no, no. we stayed in Act 1 for a really long time. And then we dabbled in a couple George Washington songs. But we, yeah. we, we, we stayed in Act 1. <laughs> it was good for us. And The King. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. The King's
0: so good. Well. Liz, this is so great. Keep us posted on all the incredible work you're doing. I can't mm-hmm. wait to wa- watch your next comedy. I'll watch, I'll watch the serious ones too. But I really liked Long Shot. If I haven't hammered that <laughs> home, I'd <laughs> like you. to see more of that. If I could, I appreciate just, it. I feel like there's not enough rom coms in the
1: world. There aren't. I agree. I'd love to keep doing them. They're yeah. so much fun.
0: They're so. I mean, they're and, and you make people laugh. It brings joy to the world. Yeah. Too, and that you know?
1: movie was like that was a love story to our spouses. It was like Le- Jonathan Levine and Dan Sterling and Seth Rogen and myself. Like. We were rewriting the movie and we just would try and write the movie that we thought people wanted to see. And then at lunch, we would talk about our spouses <laughs> and be like, man, I can't believe they're married to us. That's crazy. And after like two days, we were like, should we write that movie? And then that was really how that happened.
0: Oh my god! Yeah.
1: We were like wrote a love story to our best friends who we all married.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It
1: was very nice.
0: I can't wait to go tell Brian since it's our favorite movie. So there you go. Well, Liz, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank and you. I know we both have to get back to work because we have some momumental work to do. We do. We do. Monumental. momumental, mom-u-mental For mean. sure.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Please write us a review if you liked us. Tell us what you think. Follow us on Instagram at momumental.podcast. Or at Jesse C. Draper, and tell us who you want to hear from and how you think we can solve childcare. Also, please give us five stars.